This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall, the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Report. This is your Monday edition. We're coming at you guys. The weekend full of Browns chatter. Just can't get away from it. Seems every single day we find something new to talk about with this team, even in the most dry of times. So before we get to today's discussion, the key point from the weekend, talk to you about betonline.ag. Make sure you're going there using the promo code BLUEWIRE. They will give you the welcome bonus that you need to get going with your gambling as sports are kicking back up. The NBA is right around the corner. The MLB, too. NASCAR golf have already started. So make sure you get there. Use that promo code BLUEWIRE. Again, that's betonline.ag. We thank them, the presenting sponsor here at Blue Wire Podcasting Network. So the big news over the weekend was the David Njoku rumor and um, plenty of questions about his demand for a trade and whether he has leverage and what he looks like in this offense. Look, I think... You have to look at it from Njoku's perspective, right? Obviously, the young man has been inconsistent. He's had some issues with catching the football consistently, blocking consistently in both phases. That's not not something profound. I think most of you have heard that. But what's most compelling to me is... um, it's a couple things, right? So he he's having a good year too. Has a really good second half of the year. Picks up his block rate, um, among other things. Cuts down the drops. Really trending up into year three. Thought to be a weapon, and then gets hurt. Right? Has the broken wrist. Week two, late in week two, on on a ball that shouldn't have been thrown his way anyway. Misses most of the season. Doesn't have surgery. Decides to let it heal. Comes back. Doesn't seem confident in it, and uh, has some issues. Especially the interception against Cincinnati was kind of a strange you know, sort of hand strength situation that I thought he could have come down with that football, but it just seemed off. So he didn't play much the rest of the year, did not have a significant number of snaps. And some people reported a fallout with the front office that was in place at that time. I'm not sure, can't can't really tell you much on that. But uh, there's something amiss, right? And uh, there's just sort of some confusion leading into this offseason. The Browns go out and sign Austin Hooper, give him a big contract, one of the bigger tight end contracts in the NFL. And then they draft the Mackey Award-winning uh, tight end out of Florida Atlantic, Harrison Bryant. So you, you look at it from Njoku's perspective, who knows he's going into year four. The Browns did pick up his fifth-year option, which tells you that they're interested in keeping him around, making him a part of things. And you know they brought in Kevin Stefanski, this young head coach, who is uh, one of the league's leaders in deploying multiple tight ends 
the tack, so you know you're going to be on the field, but you look at then, you know, you sort of go look at what they did last year with young Irv Smith, the tight end from Alabama they drafted, and even between Smith and Rudolph, there was only about six high 600, 700 yards of receiving going on there, and, and, and Irv Smith only had 40 catches, or sorry, 40 targets, right around 311 yards, so you, you didn't see a ton of opportunity for for that position. So if you, if you presume he, you know, encompasses tight end two, which is the presumption, um, understandably here, you, you would, you would look at it from Njoku's perspective and say, okay, if I'm the second tight end because they're paying Austin Hooper good money, uh, what kind of opportunities do I have to look at getting a second contract, right? The big goal for him is how do I get a second contract in the NFL? And that's not selfish. That's just, you know, as a young person trying to attack, you know, a career in the NFL, he has, um, a limited window. You have your first five years, uh, if you get a fifth year, if you're a first-round pick, and then you move into um, the second phase of your career and that all-important second contract that's going to pay you what ends up being life money um, if, you, if you're lucky enough to make it there. And he's looking at saying, is this the best opportunity to make it there? Or is there another team out there that I could be a first tight end and get targets close to 70, 80 targets like I did my second year in the league when I put up trending up numbers in the 600s and four touchdowns among several other uh, you know, uh, positive signs that had many people believing that Joker was going to be fantastic in year three. And then you got to think too, the front office that drafted me is no longer leading this, this, this situation. Many of those who are attached to me are gone. Um, you know, they brought in two players at my position and invested valuable things in them, whether it was a draft pick, um, a mid round draft pick or a, a high, you know, high, high money contract. So the joke was thinking, I got to kind of balance things out here, perhaps, and look at, at getting rid of, um, sorry, getting myself out of this situation where maybe I can be more productive and maybe have a good quality final two years of my rookie deal. And then from there can sign another deal because if he thinks he could be hidden in Cleveland, not used effectively, um, does not get the numbers that, you know, you sit down at the, the negotiating table. And the, if you don't have the numbers to support what you're asking for, it becomes extremely difficult. So I think he saw those, those things and, and considered them the writing on the wall and then looked at his situation and said, uh, I saw the Browns get rid of Duke Johnson through Drew Rosenhaus, and he signs him. So the problem for Njoku is leverage. He doesn't have a ton of leverage, right? Uh, the Browns could just say, hey, man, we're going to keep you. We're going to keep you for multiple reasons. Teams are sitting on draft picks right now because of the situation in the league and some of the uh, mystery going forward. We're not going to get anything anywhere close to what we expect to get in return for you. So we're going to pay you, and we're going to keep you, and you're going to have to play because if you don't play and you sit out and you – um, demand things that players of, of much higher stature do, it's going to look bad for you and you might find yourself out of the league. There's a potential for that if you have too much of a, a label of a, um, you know, sort of a an immature or, um, I guess, a little too much bravado or too much self-confidence when you haven't really produced like a player that can do those things. So I think the Browns hold a ton of leverage here. They think that they can use the young man and uh, he knows the young man, the, the Browns know that, the, that Njoku has to show out to get this next contract. And uh, I, I listen. I think they do explore some deal for him um, in 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 some form or fashion, and and I think that they will look around the league to see if anybody's interested. But I don't see them giving him up for a, 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 a even a fourth round pick starts to push it. I think you could get more use out of him on your roster, playing, chasing another contract on his own than you necessarily can. Um, you know, taking a fourth round pick because you just don't know what that turns into. It's such a wild card, even though you you know you used Harrison Bryant. Uh, player on that pick and I think the Browns know that Bryant's not going to be ready right away they need they need a second tight end who has experience 
um, you know, at the NFL level because it takes a while for the learning curve. Even the joke is going into the year at age 24. He's still third year in the league. And um, sorry, fourth year in the league, and that, and that and that means something. Four years as a tight end in the league, you know what it takes to block people at this level. You've seen all sorts of defensive ends. You've seen what it takes to win at the route uh, concepts and, and and things of that nature. So, and and really, Njoku has to to also understand that that this offense will at least put him on the field. Some teams won't use two tight ends on the field as much. It, it, at the bare minimum, if you stay in Cleveland, you at least know you're going to find the field. And with this offense, you do find up schemed. Um, you find out that there are plenty of schemed open opportunities for tight ends, whether on boot boot action stuff or uh, you know tight end screens, things of that nature. He will find the field. And he'll find the football. Some. It's a matter of if he can maximize those opportunities. So I think for Najoku, it boils down to wanting to be a tight end one somewhere. He wants to be the lead man in that room and see the sort of Darren Waller type opportunities where you get a high volume of targets. That's what he wants. Um, I don't know if that's out there for him. I don't know if a trade is going to meet what the Browns will be looking for for him. I, I remain sitting on the side that I think Najoku will be a part of the Cleveland Browns in 2020, and it's going to be up to that locker room, that leadership, to try to find a way to make him content with being here. I just don't think a trade is going to manifest itself. Unless the Browns have a much lower opinion of him than I think they do, um, and that's always entirely possible. So um, as of now, he sits on the team. I think he's going to be a part of the 2020 team, maybe not a part of 2021. We'll see. Um, is, is, is there so many other more important things going on in the league and getting ready for the season. It's just hard, really hard to see a trade manifest itself uh, at this time of year, and especially with all that's going on. But if the Browns are blown away by something or they get an offer much higher than they expected, or there's the opportunity to improve their linebacker room depth with another player, and they see that as an opportunity to do so, they could go out and do that. So uh, interesting stuff. You don't want to hear this from Njoku this close to the season, especially a guy that I think most of us had counted on to be a, an important part of things. Um, and I think he was best fit to be a tight end too and learn from Hooper and some of those things you know, over the final two years of his contract. So hopefully they can find a way to make this uh, make this work. We'll keep we'll keep a close eye on it. We'll keep writing about it over at the OBR. I'll have something up there today on what it looks like from his perspective as a tight end too and what sort of opportunities could be there. So um, anyway, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. It's just a quick hitter on Joku on this Monday. We'll be back tomorrow with our usual guest. We appreciate your support. Make sure you're, you know, getting on iTunes and subscribing to the channel and get those delivered to you fresh every morning and uh, joining us at the OBR. We appreciate it. Until tomorrow, go Browns.